0: Take your seats quickly ladies and gentlemen Thank you Hello ladies and gentlemen Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris On today's Wimbledon Round 1 Catch-Up Sponsored by DownloadTennis.com Coco
1: Gauff crashes out to Sophia Kennan Venus Williams succumbs to Svitolina And Andy Murray wins a Battle of the Brits
0: chris today is the 4th of july and we are here to catch up on round one of wimbledon well i say round one uh it's been a bit of a wet start hasn't it at the championships it's been a bit soggy we have not actually been able to complete all the matches in round one we're gonna we're gonna do our best we've got our collector set player pick predictions as well um to reveal do we have to reveal them joel <laughs> do we have to i know i mean predictions are not your strongest suit at the
1: moment are they no, and thank you to our <laughs> listeners for pointing out just how badly I did yes, by massive predicting the Coco Goff. Massive thank yes, you. Yes, thank you, everybody. <laughs> Joel loves it. I'm not sure I do, but um, Coco Goff did crash out. She was my pick for the women's title. <laughs> and I would like to issue a formal apology to all of our listeners that i will try and do better but i i do pick with my heart not my head when it comes to the predictions and collector set is where i will regain my credibility joel well
0: listeners don't worry i am fully going to make chris aware of this prediction not just on this episode but i just feel like every hopefully every opportunity i get going forward um i do chris feel like this has kind of taken you down from that platform above me and Kim um, for Path of the Courts where I feel like you just beat us every time. But actually, I feel like this time, your your predictions so far, they have they have brought you crashing back down to earth. I have been humbled.
1: I feel like the, the playing field is now it's not even level, Joel. I think I'm below <laughs> ground
0: level I mean, at this that's point. saying something so, given some of the shocking predictions I have made um, in the past. Yes, Taylor Fritz. Was it the US <laughs> Open champion?
1: That was first round exit. Just to remind our listeners that yeah. uh, Kim is the only person with any credibility, really, it, yeah. when it comes to this. Exactly.
0: And, and Kim has been at Wimbledon uh, already. She was, in the ra- she was in the raid today on Henman twice. Hill. twice. Yeah, she's been there twice. She was on Henman Hill today um, watching Andy Murray. We're going to be hearing from her in an, in a short while, actually, because she has uh, voice noted in um, on her mobile about her Q experience. And Chris, that is where we're going to start, because although there's not as many tennis matches as we would like to talk about there are certainly other things we need to talk about and before we get into talking about the tennis we've got to start with the Wimbledon queue we're tennis fans um you know we live the tennis fan experience and the Wimbledon queue is quintessential to the championships but it's got off to a very rocky start hasn't it this year yeah and um it's made a lot of headlines
1: for the wrong reasons Mm. I think normally I think people who do queue um, and have queued uh, will know it's a well-oiled machine. It runs like clockwork. It's so well organised. The whole way that you get your sort of your uh, your your pass in the queue, it's all done so that there's no queue jumping and you all get in as quickly as possible. And it does seem that this time people have been queuing from a very early time and they've not been able to get into watch the matches. And the matches have been well underway, which is, I mean, it's stopping fans from getting to watch tennis, which they've spent ages queuing for to show their dedication so it's the, completely the wrong way that this is working that they aren't able to get in there to watch the matches that they queued up overnight sometimes to see
0: yes it's not been uh, the greatest of sight and i think that's what what is so surprising is the fact that it has been a well-oiled machine i feel up up until this point i think last year the queue maybe had a, a year off because the numbers were a little bit down. But certainly that demand has, has gone up. And I don't know if that has been one of the reasons that have just not coped. Um, I've been reading about you know the, the worry around protesters getting in. We've seen environmental groups at other sporting events. And I don't know if there's a nervousness around that. And as a result, the, the security has been a lot stricter in terms of those bag checks and it's just made the experience slower but we are it does sound like we you know on day one we got into a situation where people are turning up in the morning they're not getting in until after you know after 4 p.m i mean wimbledon tweeted at 1 p.m that their their ground capacity had been reached and basically told people not not to you know not to come to the queue but yeah it feels very very different to like like what we've seen with it before Yeah, I mean, I've queued many times that I've
1: never had an issue at all. No. Um, And I definitely think that uh, going into, I'm going to be camping tomorrow, trying to follow in Kim's footsteps. Are you more nervous now? Yes, because I have no idea what time to get there. And if I'll even get in, I mean, I want to see Andy Murray play and I'm going to go the day before to hopefully maybe get a chance to do that. And um, now I'm thinking this would be... I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the most natural camper. Um, So if I'm going to camp and I'm not going to get until 4pm, I think there'll be a very stern letter of... um sternly worded email probably slightly passive aggressive from me
0: to to someone at wimbledon but maybe anonymous <laughs> well, so that we're still are able to let in next year well i've just been on holiday at a music festival so i feel like i'm like the king of camping at the moment so maybe after us after our recording i'll give you um a few tips but um yes uh let's hear though from kim because she actually likes to tell us how much of a fan of the queue she is she has She's she describes herself actually as a veteran of the queue um, and she was in the queue on day one. And this is what she had to say about it.
2: Personally, my queue experience was was fine. But I know for many, they had a terrible experience in the queue on day one. Security uh, causing long, long delays, not enough staff, not enough security stations, really, really significantly slower for people in the queue. You know, people getting there at the usual kind of times um, that you'd get there in the morning. You'd expect to be in, you know, in four or five hours around lunchtime. Many people waiting eight, nine hours to get in, uh, which is just absurd. It's, it's not good enough. And it's shameful, really. And I think Wimbledon needs to take a long, hard look at the logistics and make some immediate improvements. And I'm not sure if that's possible for this year's championships, but they certainly can't let this happen again because... The fan experience for those queuing for grounds passes is really important. You know, there's thousands of fans and they are the lifeblood of, of you know, the Wimbledon kind of fan community. And they shouldn't be let down in, in that way. Um, it's certainly making me rethink whether I want to join the queue for grounds passes this week. Uh, I don't want to be waiting around for nine hours. So uh, I'm really curious and intrigued to see what Wimbledon can do to, to alleviate the, the kind of bottlenecks and delays at security. Um, they seem to have taken, you know, personally, I think they've taken some backwards steps in how they um, sort of do the security logistics within the queue itself. And as someone who's queued for many, many years, I'm a bit of a veteran of the queue. I've seen in the last few years a, a noticeable, um, I guess, reduction in in the experience for fans queuing with the replacement of the the queue security tent and the way they now do the ticketing and security for queues. So, um, yeah, it, it's not been a great experience on day one for, for most people in the queue, many missing the start of play, many missing matches on show courts that they've camped for uh, because of the delay. So I, I hope that something can be done ASAP to help resolve that.
0: I still just can't get over, Chris, this sort of low-key flex of veteran of the queue. That, honestly, is not something I would be boasting about. I'm not going to lie. I just cannot get into the queue as much as Kim. I honestly think it should be abolished to be quite honest with you
1: i i didn't know that kim was actually the first person to ever queue for wimbledon (laughs) that was something that i wasn't aware of until very recently um but now I, i like the queue because i think the ballot doesn't always let those people who are the most hardcore and most dedicated get in and i think having those tickets reserved for some of the best um tickets in tennis for people who want to see rafa for example like kim always has done um i love it getting the people who love it the most into stadiums is what you should do like i mean how
0: else will the carota boys get in to see yannick sinner joel oh you know yannick sinner's agent is just giving them some freebies to get them in for, for Levaza, some fans i think might be sponsoring them <laughs> no i honestly i'm the complete opposite i think they should just get rid of it yes it's a tradition but i just think some traditions traditions can stop they don't need to last forever and with the advent a of bit like the wimbledon queue does last the forever advent, it would seem. i know with the advent of you know digital ticketing we're seeing more of those restocks um online i just think they should just fully embrace that a lot more get rid of the queue and just put the tickets online i just think it would mean so much easier so much simpler and i just think it would take what is turning into a nuisance and a, and a source of criticism um for the tournament uh, j- just take it away If you take the queue away, I think you just take a whole world of problems away.
1: I mean, it does work very well at the French Open and other slams I've been to. That is very, Mm. very simple. But um, we'll put it on our socials. Do you like the queue? Should the queue be kept? Mm. So we'll put that poll up and we'll see what you say and we'll report back on our next episode. I'm going to be
0: clicking no like a thousand times uh, one after the other because yeah, I feel very adamant about it. I think that's one of the things. It's such a- Have you ever queued though, Joel? I haven't. I uh, know, does that- ruin there it? We go. Well, that ruins it, doesn't it? But I, I genuinely, I, I can't, I just can't get involved in it. But it is, it definitely is a very polarizing topic, I think, for fans. Some fans like Kim, very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about it, but in a completely negative sense after i've camped i don't think i'll be passionate about it joel <laughs> i'm passionate about it before i do it well I'm, I'm curious to see how your experience is and maybe we can get a, a comparison with with what kim's uh, was like but i'm certain one player <laughs> or one person who didn't camp uh today was roger federer uh, mr federer returned to the hallowed turf um of wimbledon um and he was there in center court there was a bit of a ceremony for him i was kind of wondering what was this ceremony going to be was he going to walk out onto the court itself and he was going to get a nice kind of 15 minute um, like hello to the and wave to the um, to the fans but no it was it was a lot more it was a lot more kind of sedate and business as usual wasn't it he just sort of went into the royal box there was a little announcement a little wave fans loved it and sat next to Kate Middleton
1: I mean I think they seem to be best of friends I think they were having a hit <laughs> in the week we all thought you know, that forehand from Kate Middleton looked pretty good. Mm. Maybe she should have a go on the, the women's tour. She might make it past the, the first round.
0: She must be getting tips. Any, any sort of these occasions when there's, like, initiatives or, you know, sitting next to Mr. Federer in a box? What can't she
1: do? You
0: have to be in <laughs> constant training.
1: Mm. Um, so maybe she'll get called up to the Billie Jean King Cup team, Joel. I think uh, maybe Anne Kiovathong might ask if he's available <laughs> for selection. But... It's not a bad ticket is it being sat next to roger federer on center court and um i think it was great to kind of hear just how obviously popular he is and he wasn't able to have that farewell at wimbledon so i think for a lot of people it's always a welcome sight for seeing roger federer on the courts of sw19
0: and what do you think was going through his mind just coming back onto in, into that into that court there's so many memories there so many achievements so many records made what do you think was going going through his mind I, I just
1: think that he looks so happy in retirement and I think that's something that you really hope with these players when they do retire that they don't feel that like they had unfinished business and I think maybe there was that one Wimbledon final against Novak Djokovic where he had those championship points where that did say he said that took a long time to get over but I think his achievements are unbelievable and, and mm. um, I think it hopefully will be more like a homecoming um, as he kind of continues to hopefully play a role in tennis, we did think maybe he'd be a pundit. We did think we'd see him at Wimbledon and and hopefully over time, he will stay close to the game.
0: Yeah, I think he said he felt it was still a little bit too uncomfortable him kind of talking about the current generation, and that was one of the reasons he didn't want to do commentary this year. But I do hope it happens in the future. I was just going to say, Chris, I feel like he is happy because he got. Did you see he got to perform with Coldplay um, the the other day? Uh, he got to go on stage with them and, and perform with them. So I feel like that's a. I mean, for some people, I feel like that will
1: give them a smile. I mean, my father's recently retired, and he hasn't been on stage with Coldplay, <laughs> so I think maybe that's just a Roger Federer sort of moment, but i think he's definitely keeping active we saw him obviously in the swiss tourism video with trevor noah so um <laughs> maybe he's doing
0: more than he was before people always say they he's find out when they out. retire right he's branching he out is. but i feel like the awkward question in the room is that i think the official reasoning um for this kind of celebration celebration and this ceremony was it was just to, to kind of recognize his unmatched eight gentlemen's grand slam singles titles at wimbledon I mean Novak Djokovic could equal that record um within within the fortnight. So um it'll be interesting to see like will he get kind of treated in the same way as as Roger Federer?
1: I mean not whilst he's still playing. I think this is something that you reserve for players once mm. they've kind of um hung up their racket. But I mean it is always interesting. I think we've seen this before when you see players who had a record who were actually there to to watch their record, whether it's be equaled or, you know, superseded. I think it's um it is just uh, one where what We talked about before what Roger did at the time was far in advance of what other players had done, and then generations come and players come and. And those records are broken. But right now, the record is his. So I think you should enjoy it for this fortnight. <laughs> you can <laughs> enjoy it. Because you not sure how
0: much longer yeah, yeah, exactly. it will be around you for. You can enjoy it. Um, I mean, looking at some of the action um, on that centre court, we had Carlos Alcaraz defeating Jeremy Shardy. Alcaraz came through in three sets six love, six two, seven five. What were your impressions of this match? Was this, it, this felt routine. But again, at that third set, did our Alcaraz sort of drop the ball a little bit?
1: I, I think he did. I also think. Um, to be particularly sort of um, uh, critical, um, Jeremy Shardy played appallingly um, in the first couple of sets. I mean, the number of double faults he hit, I don't think he's at match level no. um, or match practice level that he needs to be at. I think this very much is like one of those farewells where you get to play on like, court number one for this one and and play against the number one seed. And that's something that is very nice for him. But I also do just think this is this is the biggest uh tournament the biggest prize in tennis and that first set was not competitive so i think it was probably that um there was a rise in level from shardy from what i saw but there also was a bit of a mental wobble from alcaraz cuz he didn't really have to switch in that much in those first couple of sets but um i mean he got it done um and i think that's what that's what matters right i think the 22 minute first set was particularly mm. um uneventful and um for him I guess the next time when he's serving up by trying to serve it out or kind of finish that off in the in the third set it's important that he gets it done because you don't want to be playing four sets against Jeremy Shardy in his farewell match that shouldn't be happening
0: no definitely not and uh, yeah it does I think it's interesting it does raise that kind of question I think we've we've spoken about it before in terms of wild cards protective rankings players who are on the out and just want that last big moment and whether it feels right if we're going to get kind of these comical matchups where you know I think Jeremy Shardy was like you're saying you know I trained for six weeks just for this moment um, you know to be able to compete on the grass so it is a bit kind of like yeah that's great but this that's not really what I feel like wild cards and and protected rankings are about and I know we get those really nice stories like for example Feliciano Lopez in in Mallorca the other the other week but um at the same time it it does sort of rob I guess players who you know this is them week in week out shardy yes it, you've had your time now time to move on so other players can take these spots and and probably give a more competitive showing
1: yeah and i think it definitely isn't necessarily the best ticket for someone who is going to watch this as well because hmm. there are so many players just outside the top 100 like qualifying for wimbledon is so difficult and um i think when it comes to some of the british wild cards and obviously we'll talk about andy murray um a little bit later but Uh, players who are ranked outside the top 250 they get a wild card I think there is pressure on them to perform Um, and Shardy's actually Mm -hmm. only won um, I believe one match this season in singles Um, it's not great and so I do think that it is kind of a manipulation of the system to be able to play Um, and I think that not all careers have to be celebrated you know on a show called a Wimbledon um, because that That wasn't how Roger Federer went out either. He could have played one more time. He could have done that. He would have been very welcome to do that. And Jeremy Shardy is not a Roger Federer. So I do think that it was playing the system a little bit and it didn't lead to the best spectacle.
0: They also, I don't think, should go out on court six uh, without without any sort of standing or any sort of fan space really um here's looking at annette contivate hopefully maybe it's not her farewell match because yeah that's on the complete other end of the spectrum and not really not really great to see if i'm being perfectly off not befitting i think of a former world number two no we were talking about this and we were hoping
1: it would be sort of a court court one mm. match for her um because i do think that is a career that's being kind of cut short and we talked that it would be nice that she would be able to have a nice farewell because of the circumstances yeah. of her not being able to play tennis um, ongoing because of the physical ailments, but she's been winning matches on the tour. She's still at a level where she can be playing there, um, and so I do think that it is it is an odd one when it comes to some of these sort of um, farewell moments. Because um, for Jeremy Shardy, I'm not sure it was worth the six weeks for this moment. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But you know, I hope he had his he had his. He had his day you
0: can go back to the day job I, th- I believe he coaches ugo umber so we're not actually going to see him like completely off the tennis court um at a, at a cold play gig but um yeah at least, he, at least he got his moment he got his farewell and now we can move on um talking about the brits uh, you mentioned andy murray um he is through he beat fellow Brit. Ryan Peniston, 6'3", six 6'1". We also had Cam Norrie go through, but Dan Evans is out. He lost to Quentin Hallis in four sets. Let's start very quickly with Andy Murray. How much can you take from that victory against Ryan Peniston? Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? I think we've, we've been debating this on
1: the podcast for a while in terms of it's very hard to know where Murray's level is at because we did talk about that sort of fantastic challenger runner form that he had. And then obviously he was made to look... Um, like he wasn't necessarily uh, at his peak when he played against De Minard at Queen's, where he was kind of dispatched quite easily. So this match is very hard to read into it because um, Ryan Penison is obviously ranked outside the world's top 250, and it's not someone who plays week in, week out on the tour. Um, and playing against Murray under the roof, I do think that's almost as home court as mm. Murray can get um, on centre court. And it's a very tough prospect for a player who is as inexperienced Um, so I think the real test will come in round two when we see whether he plays Stefanos Tsitsipas or Dominic Thiem Um, but the positives from his side was that he wasn't broken that whole match Um, he did serve pretty well Um, and I think getting off to a good start at Wimbledon irrespective of who you're playing I think is I mean it's you couldn't have asked for a better start he did
0: also he got the nod as well didn't he from Roger Federer (laughs) at the end who was watching who was watching on um i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna give a little bit more credit i think to to andy murray in terms of his performance because you know ryan peniston yes he is outside the, the the top 200 and yes andy murray should be beating him comfortably in straight sets but he's had some handy grass court victories in his career you know he's beaten casper Ruud, uh holger runa jack draper uh, manorino who's no such on, on a grass court so you know i, I do think there's got to be some credit there but as you said it's just very hard to know you know where his level is at you said you mentioned team or sisipas there's going to be a big bonus there in terms of he's got his match done and dusted team and sisipas are kind of locked in in a second set which is going to be uh seen out tomorrow who would you like to see murray play against because i think you could make arguments for for both players given the form, particularly, I think Stefanos Tsitsipas has showed on grass over the last few few weeks.
1: I might put that question straight back to you because Kim and I were debating whether this was the perfect draw for Andy Murray, mm. and I felt like it was a very good one because if you have a sort of a relatively high seed who is really not on form at the moment, um, put Andy Murray on center court playing against Stefanos Tsitsipas, and I do think on grass he's got a really good shot of getting the win there. So. I would rather he played a player he's played on grass last year he beat him last year um who's kind of out of form in that sense than a Dominic team because um I do think that being the underdog in some of these situations can allow someone to play a bit more freely and I'd rather that Murray was the underdog with the support of the British crowd but for me I don't know I thought it was a good draw Kim didn't think it was a great draw
0: is this a good draw do you know what? I think it's a good draw, particularly if you if you saw much of of how Cisapass was playing in that first set against against Dominic Team. I'm hoping Cisapass comes through because I don't think he's playing very near uh, at all um, his best. I know there's been a lot of chat on Cisapass and, and Paola Badosa and and whether that has taken energy of of his away from the tennis and court focus. and his focus. Exactly, it's hard not to put two and two together at the moment so you know I- i'm all for it if it's going to give andy murray his um his best chance so um yeah we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but a couple of other brits um cam Norrie is through um he came through against thomas machak um of the czech republic in four sets but dan evans is out to quinton hallis i just want to mention this chris because i was i was watching this before we um we started recording Quentin hallis how how is he? Is how is he ranked where he is? Because he looks absolutely phenomenal against against Evans. Big serve, competent from the baseline. I know Dan Evans. I get. I think gets too down in the dumps on himself at times, and I think he, that's what happened to him yesterday uh, that preceded him to becoming two sets of love down. But Hallis played a great match um, throughout and didn't really let the the British crowd bother him.
1: Yeah, I think the reason why I sort of right where he is is because I think there's that sort of. Um, he plays regularly on the Challenger Tour. Mm. He doesn't necessarily always get the breakthrough um, on the main tour, but Wimbledon is, and grass, it's one of those things where playing at Wimbledon does really inspire people yeah. to bring out their best tennis. And I think it was a prime example of that because it's not the case that he's necessarily an experienced grass court at all. I think it is the moment um, and the history and the and the prestige of the tournament that really does kind of Um, inspire people to play this well and seize the moment and especially playing a Brit at Wimbledon um, it's almost Mm. the sort of um, the perfect challenge to see you're either going to sink or swim and he really really rose to the occasion so it will be interesting to see how he plays when the pressure is kind of on him more to come through um, against Alexander uh, Vukic in the the next round who Mm. arguably most people haven't necessarily heard of or familiar with so For me this screams a sort of a standout individual performance but i probably think he won't be having a deep run here
0: yeah it it gave me flashbacks to john isner last year last year against andy murray where you can just have an inspired match under a roof big serve anything can happen and uh i'm not gonna lie chris uh, he's another name i think we should be putting into the hat for the french male number one ranking (laughs) There's a lot of names. There's a lot in that of names. Hat. We could just throw them all in. Um, yeah, but he's definitely he's definitely done that. Um, I mean, moving on to all the women's action that we've we've had today. We had Anji coming through against Magdalena Fretch in straight set, 6-3, 6-3. Uh, we also had Elena Rabakina come through. A very tough test, I thought, in Shelby Rogers. 4-6, 6-1, 6-2. I actually want to start with this match because Rabakina in the build-up, you know, she was at Eastbourne she had a viral illness she wasn't 100 percent. and when i saw shelby rogers on on paper i was like shelby rogers is a very handy kaya kinepi-esque player who a top seed would not want to face in the first round so i thought this was a very impressive response after going down that first set how how did you see it yeah i think it wasn't actually,
1: you know, that bad a first set. I think it was just a slow start. One break, grass, if you're playing against someone who's serving well, Shelby served really well in that first set. One break can be all it takes, um, especially if you don't kind of get that get off to holding your serve. So I think once she settled, I think she did come through really nicely. And kind of where the match was won, it was very much a case that her first serve in, uh, percentage increased dramatically. In the first set, she only landed 52% of her first serves. Um, Whereas in the second set and onwards, um, it was actually 75%. So for me, it was a case where she was able to control her end of the court and her serve and started to play much better when her uh, serve was working and it gave her a lot more confidence. So I actually was really impressed with how she played this match. And I think probably the way she responded will give her a lot of confidence that if she does get into a bit of a situation or a tricky match, she does know that she can come through it because... This is a tough match. Somebody's beaten her on grass last year. Um, it does make you think um, she probably is over the illness now. And she is someone who we should definitely be
0: putting in the mix when it comes to um, going going deep here. And I think she'll be wanting, because she's a big Roger Federer fan. And I think she said she was just a little bit nervous in that in that first set. Having... She blamed Roger Federer on being <laughs> broken <laughs> well, in she the said, first game. She said she was a little bit nervous, and and maybe that came into it, which um you know I was a little bit yeah I was a little bit surprised by. But um I think yeah for me it was just great to see her. I think being treated like a champion. You know I think over yeah, finally you know, over last year since yeah since becoming a Grand Slam champion, we've we've been we've seen her just kind of being hauled out onto really low budget courts, not on stadium courts. A and car it's just park not in been Queens. Be- yeah exactly it's just not been befitting um of the tennis and the the gravitas i feel like she brings to the game so it's just really nice i think to see her and and also avoid the upset because that does not happen very often and after that first set i was a little bit wondering like oh could we could we be s- witnessing something that that is uh, a rarity um at wimbledon
1: yeah and i think she'll be very pleased that this is wimbledon with points this is once again mm. kind of a return to the normal and nothing no one can take away that win with a crown that she has but i think this is definitely um game on for her because she is very much right up there in the mix in terms of the top players on the tour she's wanting to get that ranking up and um kind of achieve the ranking that she would have got if she did have those 2000 points so um i think she she's going to do well here and i think she's going to be even more focused than she was last year in terms of getting another great result here
0: well, another one of the favourites for Wimbledon arena, Sabalenka. She had no issues coming through. Panna Udvardi six three six one, pretty kind of routine match there. And bit of <laughs> bit of high power velocity from from Sabalenka on a serve, big ground strokes, and yeah, it was a bit too much for Udvardi in the end. Um, Chris, a lot of matches that got underway that weren't finished that are being carried over tomorrow. Where did where was your eye drawn to because Berrettini and Sonigo managed to get a set in and Sonigo took it on a tie break I thought that was a lot closer than I thought Berrettini was gonna was gonna get we had Ben Shelton as well it's up a set and a break on Tarot Daniel, Greek sport and Fuchevich. I'm surprised. I thought Greek Sport would be doing a little bit better. He was he's a set and a break down to Fuchevich. I know he's a he's a very handy competitor on his on his day, but Greek Sport's been in some great form So what are yeah, your been a predictions, few... Joel? What are your I know, predictions? I don't say But any any of the, any of the matches so far you're kind of like interested to see develop tomorrow?
1: Well, I think you know that I was watching Madison Brengel-Sara Rani at the time <laughs> of the rain delay. Um, no, that's not true. You were but, looking um, at the break point count specifically, right? Yeah, I was. I was looking at the service speed. <laughs> um, no, so I was, um, I was actually fascinated by uh, the Hogaroon match against um, Lofhagen in that one because I think that was very close. Mm. I don't think many of us would think it would be that close. And I also had my eye on a very tricky round one for Katie Boulter. Um, who maybe was also uh, a little bit nervous playing in front of Kate Middleton out on an outside court and Laura Robson. So I think those two were the ones that I had my eye on, but. I think that it was interesting to see just how close some of these sets were. There were so many tie breaks.
0: I just love the idea of the royal family. Kate Middleton, yeah, you've got the you've got the royal box. You have got the royal box there for you. No, I'd rather go out into the uh, into the masses on Court 18 uh, She's to watch Katie Porter in the rain. Yeah, she is all of us. I do. No, I did really enjoy that moment. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, particularly these players, how they respond to the fact Hanging that they're probably in the gonna have to play some of
1: these matches, right?
0: Yeah, and they're going to have to play a lot of tennis over the next few days. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they're going to be knackered or anything, but I think the mental effort um, it could take to go in consecutive days of best-of-five-set tennis could take its toll, um, perhaps, and give an advantage to players who finished today like, um, like Andy Murray and Cam Norrie. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But we're going to take a quick break now, but join us in the second half where we'll be taking a look back on all the action from day one from Wimbledon, as well as revealing as well as revealing our collector set predictions. So don't go anywhere.
2: This episode is brought to you by NordVPN.
0: NordVPN
1: is a virtual private network, which means it protects your internet connection and privacy online.
2: VPNs create an encrypted tunnel for your data, protecting your online identity by hiding your IP address.
1: But what does this mean for our Tennis Weekly listeners? Well, we chose to partner with NordVPN because it will allow you to watch tennis wherever you are.
2: With NordVPN, you can connect to servers around the world. So when you're looking to watch live tennis and get that pesky message, this stream is not available in your market, all you have to do is open NordVPN. Click on a location and you'll be connected in seconds.
1: Personally, I've been using NordVPN for the last two years since I moved to Denmark, allowing me to still connect to my UK streaming services and watch all the tennis matches I need to in order to provide the best analysis I can every week on the podcast.
2: So if you're looking to watch every court at Wimbledon, but you can't in your market, or you're on your summer holiday and want to keep up on all the action from SW19, then NordVPN has you covered.
1: Download NordVPN today with our exclusive deal at NordVPN slash Tennis Weekly, but make sure you use our link to secure the best deal and support the podcast. It really does help us keep doing what we love.
2: Plus it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Sign up before the players are ready and take to the court.
0: Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast sponsored by downloadtennis.com. And now we're gonna move on to day one, Chris. And there's only really a couple of places we can start and they involve two American ladies, Coco Goff and Venus Williams. We're gonna start with Coco Goff first of all. And Sophia Kenin. Sophia Kenin winning in three sets, 6-4, 4-6, 6-2. I just wanna say, it's just great to have this Sophia Kenin back. Can can I say that I know I know everyone is I think on the hype train for Coco Gauff but it's just great I think to see Sophia Kennan play tennis like that because she did not give an inch I felt.
1: I think that it's fantastic to see and I think it's great that um she's obviously a completely different player to what we've seen um at Wimbledon. I think we've had some very unfortunate matches. I mean one of the worst performances by a tennis player I mean ever was in her loss. Which was, I think it was under 45 minutes to Madison Brengel at Wimbledon. And so it's just great to see that someone is on the up and playing up to, and living up to their potential in that sense. And um, I do think, as great as that is, I do think it is such a shame for Coco Goff because I do think she had some good form coming in the grass. And this is a nightmare first round draw. Not only is it a former Slam champion, but Kennan has been in unbelievable form on the grass in qualifiers. Yeah, she walked the, through qualifying, didn't she? Completely. I think she only dropped, I think like 14 games in three matches. Um, and she played against some like pretty handy players, like Taylor Townsend is, is a very good player in the final round of qualifiers. So um, I think it is fantastic to see her playing great tennis. And something I've always said about her, she's one of the game's best problem solvers. And bouncing back to winning three... I think it just shows that there is that resilience here, there is that mental strength because when she upsets Sabalenka that was two two sets um and I think if a three set win against a player who is in the top 10 is we really have to stick with it mentally so um she now is potentially um taking over Coco Gauff's seeding to maybe make it to a quarter final so Ooh, it'll be interesting to okay. see how far you think she can go
0: I feel like it's quite interesting we'll talk about Coco Goff in a sec but I feel like there's a very big difference between let would say the level of hype and excitement that that Coco Goff generates versus someone like a Sophia Kennan where you'd say her achievements she's won a Grand Slam singles title Coco Goff obviously hasn't done that yet but there seems to be a big discrepancy between that and it almost feels like to me Kennan um, is very unfairly overlooked um in the women's game and particularly i think in the in the American in the american women's game as well um you know, i was hearing some comments and and the commentary actually from the 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 from the us broadcasters on the the kenning golf match it was all very pro golf why do you think sophia kenning just has this sort of why is she not accepted as much do you feel as as someone like a coco golf
1: um well i think it's a lot about the way that players come onto the tour so for example Coco Goff had that dream start I and mean, she was like 14 playing against mm. Venus Williams upsetting her and making it through to the fourth round that is the story that people love people love that um, a young player doing something incredible whereas Zafia Cannon, I think up against Muguruza in that final um, she was not necessarily the favourite for that she was not necessarily um, kind of destined for that in terms of what the media had obviously talked about at that stage um, so I think it's probably to do with the fact that it isn't necessarily as um, interesting a story as the Coco Gauff side of things because of the fact um, that they were looking at those parallels with Venus Williams from that first match. There was a destiny, a date with destiny was almost set, a prophecy. Mm. Um, but to be honest, I think when it comes to Kenin, um I don't think people are necessarily... Uh, seeing you from a negative side of things I think people are very pleased that she's doing very well I think mm. she's just been so absent from the top of the game and her tennis has been so absent at times as well so um I think it's a case where there's not been much to cheer on and not much consistency so I don't think we can read into too much that people have something against Sophia Ken, And I think people just really love Coco Goff
0: yeah I mean Coco Goff's issues they're still like they are still there the forehand is still um you know a problem i almost feel like she's gonna have to go back to the drawing board uh, you know with with that shot it's such a core part of her game but it still kind of leaks a lot of errors and there's a, a lot of kind of doubt i think and uncertainty and it was all to show i think in that third set is it is it more than that is it is it just the forehand or or do you feel like there's more aspects of her game that are leading to this because you know wimbledon she went out in the first round this year she's almost kind of regressed in this tournament over time she reached the fourth round in 2019 fourth round in 2021 third round last year what's going on there is is is, are there other aspects is it more than just the, the forehand at play i think
1: if you look at the matches when she did do really well um she had a really good draw at wimbledon those years um she also was completely pressure free I think it's very hard when you haven't necessarily lived up to what people might have thought of your expectations um, whether they're your expectations or whether that's necessarily something that um, should be in your head it, it can't not be so I would say it is difficult to to do that because there was so much attention on her. Um, in terms of like the hype train side of things I don't necessarily think that um, it is people who are kind of too much on the hype train. I think she is under the age of 20 and she's been so present at the top of the game since she first started she's, she's so experienced so I think saying anything negative about what she's achieved uh, just because someone's trajectory isn't winning a slam immediately if you look at the careers of say a Sophia Kennan um, or for example maybe uh, an Emma Raducani where they had a fantastic season and then they sort of dropped off the map a little bit I think something that's so impressive is that even when Coco isn't doing well, she's still right up there in the top 10 of the live race. She's still having good seasons. And we've seen people who have had breakout seasons who haven't built on that. And I think sometimes it takes a bit longer for players, but she is 19. And I think we all need to bear in mind, this is not a round one exit. This is playing against a Grand Slam player who was pressure free in round one. It's an awful draw. So this is a pinch of salt for me.
0: Yeah. And I think she, she acknowledged that in in her in the loss she said to you know she talked about Kenin and the fact that she had nothing to lose and maybe that's one of the reasons Kenin can go out there feel relaxed and come out with the victory because yeah there's not that pressure on her that maybe is a little bit more um on coco goff i'll be very interested to see now given all this sort of excitement for for Kenin uh, sort of this rejection wins it, of energy i need her to win exactly. it so my prediction therefore it's- it was one of the two
1: <laughs> i was stuck between one of those two
0: to win hmm. it well, I mean, moving on to another uh, Grand Slam champion, Venus Williams. Uh, we were all very much looking forward to her first round match against Alina Svitolina. Um, Svitolina came through that six four six three. But Chris, I feel like the big talking point was that slip during the match. I think it was in the first set. There was a little kind of fall, little twist at the back of the court by Venus. Everyone was kind of wondering what was going on, particularly with Serena Williams in mind on, on the same court a few years ago. Did you feel like that match hung in the balance based on on that moment?
1: It definitely affects how you feel from a confidence perspective on the surface. It really can. um, Mm. A fall really can knock your confidence, especially when you are someone like Venus, who has been so unlucky in terms of some of the the injuries she's had recently. Um, Like she did start to get some good matches under her belt earlier in the year. Um, I think... Uh, when she was starting to kind of play back on the tour again and she was she was doing well and then obviously she got an injury um and obviously we saw what happened to serena round one against Sasnovich. she had one fall very early on and that was that was it's game her for almost a year I think it was that she didn't play again so um it is scary and I think when it comes to your health as an athlete I think it's very hard to forget that and move on you've got to have faith in your footing because you you are you are moving as quickly as you can and balance is so important so I do think that probably does have an impact on things, but overall I do think that um, Svitolina was just, a, too, just good. too good, too good mm-hmm. on the day. And yeah. and I think Svitolina turned up for this match because um, I actually thought that Venus had a chance in this prior to this because um, in Birmingham, Svitolina lost 6-2, 6 love to Linda Frivertiva. Um And I thought maybe she hadn't got a grass game going. Um, and that seemed like such an anomalous result. Um, but clearly... Th- for whatever reason she's put, put that behind her and that, that isn't how uh, representative how she's playing uh, but again with this match two popular players um, and whoever won this people would be pleased for them so looking forward to seeing Svitolina hopefully have another deep run at Wimbledon
0: and another player who's probably hoping for a deep run maybe everyone's a lot of people's favourite, Iga Swiatek, she came through with a very easy win. Jesse Pagula and Victoria Azarenka, they sort of skirted maybe with with defeat, but they came through uh, with both with with three set victories. I mean, moving on to the men, Chris. Uh, what I mean, we had victories for Casper Ruud, came through in four sets. Uh, Yannick Sinner got it done against Juan Manuel Serendolo as well in straight sets. I want to talk about Sinner, not necessarily because of the performance, but because of his. His bag, his accessories, because he came on with a Louis Vuitton bag. A Gucci and... bag. A Gucci, oh, sorry, Louis Vuitton. Was... I'm getting it. I'm getting it for you. You Gucci. can tell I'm not, a, I'm not a fashion expert. A Gucci bag. Um, he had to get it approved from ITF, ATP, and Wimbledon, given their you know requirements around dress code and all that. What did you make of this bag? So
1: I have some quite strong opinions on this because, firstly when you make such a big statement like this, um, Yannick Sinner has not won seven Wimbledon titles. Um, He has not won a Grand Slam and it feels like this is the sort of energy that you can have when you are sort of entitled to that level of of status because this is an exception. This is a very very abnormal thing to happen and I think this is obviously a reflection of the softening of Wimbledon rules when it comes to dress code um, Mm. and it comes to the um the the white the undershorts the undershorts and i think i think it's that was long overdue i think that's fantastic and it's just such a shame that the thing that people are talking about is the fact that a man walks on with a gucci bag that isn't white when really um the thing that we should be celebrating is the fact that or not so celebrating the thing that's long overdue is the fact that women should be able to wear undershorts that um are not white um because of the fact that they might be menstruating so it just feels like this is a bit icky, and this shouldn't be the focus of what's going on. Um, and the first time they relax it, it's like, wow, Yannick Sinner had a Gucci bag, um, and I just think that that's it's all a
0: bit, um, all a bit silly to be honest, and all a bit um, mm. irrelevant. Okay. Well, I I will say I I love the bag. I think it's a nice it's a nice touch. I do wonder if it's a bit if it is a bit much. And whether, you know, I I don't know where the the thinking was around there, but I do like the sort of mix between kind of high-end fashion um, and and tennis. But, uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't, it wasn't white and i'm i'm actually more surprised wimbledon signed it off and 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 allowed it i don't know if if they were like well if we're going to do this for the women then maybe we're going to do something for for the men but um yeah i was a little bit surprised that uh, you know such such an accessory such a big obvious accessory as well was uh, was allowed but um yeah we'll see if it makes an appearance in the future um it certainly was a good luck Charm I think for for sinner. He also Chris had the karate boys there now. I'm not gonna lie I didn't think those outfits would again fly with Wimbledon I don't know if have to get like sign off or anything But we have the karate boys from the French open that they are here. They've been in the crowd They have been spotted. It's nice to see them But yeah, I was just a little bit surprised that they were allowed in yeah, I mean I feel like the
1: brands have the power here. I think they've got some good sponsorships, some good PR team because Mm. that is impressive. Is it for the content? Is it for the Wimbledon social media? I think it might be, but um, Kim spotted them as well. She spotted them, I believe. Um, So they're all about, so maybe (laughs) I might get myself a carrot costume and see if I can sneak into Court if I don't manage to get a ticket in the queue, Joel.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, we also had victories uh, for Massetti and Hubert Hercage. I mean, the biggest result probably was maybe Felix Ojeda Aljassim, the 11th seed, who you've interviewed recently. He lost in four sets to Michael Moe. He was a very tricky customer, I think, and we you know, we weren't really that sure, I think, about Ojeda Aljassim seeing him play at, um seeing him play at the Boodles. Were you surprised to see him go out, or? or Do you think that was a kind of a fair enough result? No, I was really surprised. Um,
1: I think the only thing that made me think that maybe um, this could have been an upset was that against sort of Diego Schwartzman, he wasn't really letting rip like he was kind of the end of last season. It was quite tentative. And he talked about being competitive when we spoke with him. And it just felt like he was sort of missing that competitive edge at mm. times where he's making kind of his presence known. He's lost known. the
0: belief a little bit, I feel. I think I, I, think, I think,
1: I think, I do think so. I think he, he has a little bit there. And um, because when you think about his game, there's no reason why he shouldn't be um, doing fantastically at Wimbledon again. And um, it's, it is a bit of a shame because he really was the, the number one form player um at that period at the end of last year on the indoor hard courts, he was playing some of the best tennis we've ever seen. And yeah. I think we thought that was him pushing on. Um, and unfortunately that kind of hasn't happened here. So that is a shame for him. Um, yeah, it's a shame, but he didn't have the perfect preparation. He did say that to us.
0: Yeah, no, he didn't. Um, I mean, another player who did come through uh, Novak Djokovic came through in straight sets and, um, a lot of people were talking about his antics during the rain break, getting out a towel to uh, to wash the court as opposed to his tennis. Um, so yeah, just a kind of a very much a straight sets, straightforward victory there. Another straight sets victory I was a little bit surprised by. Stan Vavrinka against Emil Roussevori. I'm not going to lie. I was I was surprised with Vavrinka coming through in this in straight sets because Roussevori has been a very he's been on form I feel this this season and I thought um I did not have I, I feel like that to me is a little bit of an upset yeah I think
1: it is also kind of a testament to you know um previous generations versus kind of this next generation is that they mm. are still able to get it done and have to that do the mentality. Exactly. they really are um Murray's showing he can do it um Marinka shows it obviously Djokovic is showing everyone that he's at his peak almost physicality at 30, 36 years old and, yeah. and above. So um, that that is a surprise. But again, it's about those big moments and it's about landing serves, making good decisions um, and getting the most out of your game. And um, that's where experience really does pay off, especially in a slam.
0: Well, we've got a lot of tennis, a lot of tennis to look forward to tomorrow, given the uh, the rain over the last few days. Uh, we've got Centre Court, Kasikina, Burridge, Sviontek, Cerebez, Tormo, Jordan Thompson, Novak, Djokovic. And then on number one court, we've got Medvedev Krachikova against Watson, Sinner, Schwartzman. Chris, where are you? I know there's so much tennis going on tomorrow. Where where are you looking in terms of matches matches to watch? Well,
1: we both love a bit of Krachikova, Joel. Um, and we always love to see Heather Watson play. So for mm-hmm. me, I think that will be um, a very good one. I'm fascinated to see what might happen in the finale of the Fritz um, Hanfman match. I think yeah, that would be Taylor very... I didn't realise Taylor Fritz was
0: on the on the verge of losing.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and that would be very interesting to see. And then I also think that it would be good to see how Sinner and Schwartzman match up because I don't think Schwartzman will be as easy a result as some people might think because I was really impressed with his grass court play and um, and I think it was um, uh, Felix said that because like, he is not, not the tallest gentleman on the tour, that actually allows him to really get on the ball um,
0: when he's playing. So I think that could be mm. more interesting than mm-hmm. you might think. And there's a little bit of spice there already because Schwarzman has already said to Sinner, I've seen on social media, he wants that bag. He wants that bag. So yeah. Uh... I think he was like to sinner, can you bring out a spare bag for me because I, I want the Gucci he's I want got the Gucci more than bag. one we know he's got he's more surely than one. got more than one exactly um, he could probably fit inside the bag to be fair how big it is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah no. i'm also going to be looking at annette Contivate, of course uh she's opening up on court sits. i really hope she can come through that she should not be going out at 11 a.m on an outside court of wimbledon that's just that just feels a bit sad if that happens but um yeah i'm hoping all the best for, for Contivate. it does leave us chris with uh the final act um, of this episode and that is revealing our collector set predictions uh, we've also got kim's predictions as well a reminder to our listeners and thank you everyone who has entered a reminder of our players they are Tiafo, murray rude sviontek kvitova and donna Vekic. so can you reveal to me where you think these players are going to be ending up at wimbledon well
1: i have gone for round four for tfo murray and casper Ooh, a hat trick. Okay. I I just thought across the board, um, I see them having good, good Wimbledons, not amazing Wimbledons. Mm-hmm. And then for the ladies, I have eager in the quarterfinals. I'm sticking with Kvitova prediction for the final, just so I have some chance of making my women's singles <laughs> predictions look <laughs> acceptable. And then I've gone for Vekic for the semi-final. So I have stuck with my guns okay. on, on those okay. sort of predictions. What so about you, I've
0: gone... I've gone similar on the men. I've got Murray and TFO in round four. I think they're going to reach the second week. However, I've got Kaspar Ruud going out in round two. Um, I'm not that confident about that, to be honest, um, given how he was playing in in round one. Um, And then I've got Igor Sviontek as my champion. Kvitova and Vekic reaching the quarterfinals. So a little bit different there. I've noted I'm the only one of the three of us Who's predicted a champion, um, and that Ooh. is is Shviontech. So, yeah, and and Kim, just adding, Kim has has gone quarterfinals for Tiafo, round two for Murray, round four for Rude, runner up for Svitolina, and then round four Kvitova, round three Vekic. I feel like she's been a bit, there's a little bit more negative there. I feel very reserved, Joel. Mm. I feel like maybe
1: she's playing to protect herself there a bit of a defensive <laughs> collector set from kim this time mm. but um, it feels we've that had way. a lot of entries way. so we have stiff competition from our listeners joel even more entries than the french open yeah. so
0: everyone wants to get their hands on that mug i just don't want to get my hands on the slam spoon of shame which i think is is that with you at the moment it, it definitely needs to be after that terrible coco goff win prediction
1: I thought I'd get rid of it after the, uh, from the French Open to Wimbledon, but I, I think I've sealed my fate already. So, well,
0: I think your fate has been sealed. But who knows? We'll we'll have to wait and see how collector set progresses. Of course, we're going to keep all of our listeners up to date on who is going to win a coveted tennis weekly mug. Um, so, watch out for that. But uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to wrap it up there for our round one Wimbledon catch up. So listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come over the next fortnight. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify
1: you can also follow us on social media or email the show we're on facebook instagram twitter youtube and tiktok at tennis weekly pod and that's where you can see all of the action from wimbledon from kim in the queue what kim gets up to in rain delays my first attempt at queuing and then joel (laughs) not in the queue
0: yes i'll just i'll just post photos of me just watching at home uh, in the the comforts of of my own living room exactly exactly you can also
1: email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out the website tennisweekly.co.uk and do subscribe to nordvpn using the link in our bio it really does help us to keep doing what we love and that's in the bio just underneath this video wherever you are listening.
0: And we will be back on Thursday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our round two Wimbledon catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.